Amen. All right, well, let's bring the lights up, and we're going to, um, we are going to finish the emoji series today. And uh, I don't know about you, I, I hope you've enjoyed it. I've had a whole lot of fun doing this series. And um, have you guys, anybody feel like you've gotten something out of this? Okay, good, good. Otherwise, I wasted your time and mine, and, uh, and we could have all just went straight to the China Buffet, which we're going to right after service today by the mall right after service at the China Buffet. Um, so week one, we talked about the difference between happiness and joy. Week two, we talked about anger and, and how we have to allow ourselves to be guided by God when it comes to anger and, and allow him to say, hey, this is not something that, that angers my heart, so it shouldn't be something that angers yours. We we, uh, we need to learn how to respond in such a way that God would be pleased with rather than, than, than hurt by. And uh, so that was week two. Week three was fear. And we talked about the difference between biblical fear and worldly fear. <clears throat> week four, we talked about loneliness. And that was a hard one. But we talked about how it is, it's our responsibility to do three things when we're feeling lonely. First of all, we reach up. That means we reach for help up from a friend, from your congregation members, from your, the people you're doing life with. Reach up. Then we talked about reaching out, taking your eyes off of your own circumstances, putting it on the lives of others and serving. And then we talked about reaching in and how when you are a follower of Jesus, he is with you all the time because he dwells within, and so we are never alone, and we are never lonely, really, because we have him at all times. Wherever we go, we're home because he's there with us. Amen? Amen. Last week, we talked about shame, and, um, and it was just one big illustration of, of how to end up in the chiropractor's office. Uh, I almost I almost went straight to Dr. Beachy afterwards. I, I talked about how shame is heavy, heavy and we, we carry it around. And I had, I had some weight up here. And the first couple times, I really worked hard to make sure I had good form on that lift. But then that third one was just kind of like unplanned. And, well, that was the one that did me in. My goodness, that hurt. It was like I was standing there holding that weight. And I'm like, yep, went too far. That was a big mistake. And, uh, and so, but, but God worked through it. And we talked about how shame is heavy. And that's not what God has for us, so we need to put it down because when Jesus purchased your sin, he also purchased your shame. Amen? So today we're going to finish with peace. And, uh, and I love how this is situated. We started with joy and we're ending with peace. And in the middle is a little bit of anger, some fear, some loneliness, and maybe even some shame. But at the end of it is peace. Amen? And that's kind of how God works. Agreed? So we're going to talk about peace today. <clears throat> Let me ask you something. If I asked you, how many of you want peace in your life? How many of you guys would put your hand in the air? Some of you have just proven that there's absolutely nothing I can do to get you to put your hand in the air. <laughs> because I know not one of you are thinking, PT, I don't need no peace. I want a life filled with turmoil. I want drama. That's how I live, baby. I want the drama. Bring me the drama. I want my relationships to be more combustible than jet fuel. No. We all want peace. I would even so, go so far as to say that peace is so valuable that it is the one emotion I would allow to guide my decision making. Think about that. What does the Bible say? Let the peace of God, what? Rule in your hearts. Peace is the one 
emotion I would say that you should be guided by in your decision making. Darn sure shouldn't be your fear. Darn sure shouldn't be what makes you happy. Definitely shouldn't be your anger. That's where prison sentences come from, right? Shouldn't be shame. It shouldn't be loneliness. Peace. And so everybody wants peace. Agreed? Okay, let's try it again. Let's see if I get 100% participation from the class. Who here would like to have peace in your life? Let's see your hand. I think we got it. There's a country song that comes to mind. There's a first time for everything. Yeah. <clears throat> Probably the last time it happens too. Yes, agreed. Everyone wants peace. So let's look at peace. The first thing I want you to understand is that God gives true peace. Amen? True peace comes from God. And that's an awesome thing is, first of all, true peace hinges on him. It doesn't hinge on anyone else other than him. Amen? Amen. We're talking about true peace here. Amen. Scripture says in John chapter 16, verse 33, says, Jesus says, these things I have spoken to you that you may have peace. He's actively trying to give and instill and install within you peace, right? What's the, next, what's the rest of it say? Um, that you may have peace in the world. You will have tribulation. Can I get a witness there? Yeah, amen. In the world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Not only does peace come straight from God, but Jesus also fought for our peace. Took punishment for our peace. And in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 5, it says that he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. Not only does, God, does, does peace originate from God, but Jesus himself fought tooth and nail and received the physical Abuse that he received all so that you could have peace. So it's more than God saying, I wish that your life would be full of peace. He says, no, I'm not going to actively wish for you to have peace. I'm going to do whatever it takes. Take whatever punishment, take whatever beating, take whatever bruising so that you can have peace. Isn't that awesome? Thank you, Jordan, for appreciating that. You and Amy, I'm, I, that's it. That's all I got right now. Come on, let me hear you. Are you happy about that? All right, there we go, better. Some of y'all seem tired. Some of y'all seem hungry. Good thing we're meeting at the China Buffet right after service out by the mall. If you were here last time, it'll come out a few more times. So, so, so there is the peace that originates from God, but then the world also offers a peace. But I'll just say this, and Jesus actually talks about this. In John 14, 27, he says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Not as the world do I give you. Let your heart not be troubled, neither be afraid. He's saying, I want to give you the peace that comes from me. There is a peace that comes from the world, but it looks different than what I'm offering. You want to come up here? Because you you're right. That is right. It's counterfeit. Thank you. That's what I'm talking about. Amy is smart. Teamwork makes the stuff happen. That is correct. 
That's a little poem for you in case you're ever wondering. Teamwork makes the things happen. <laughs> I didn't say it was a good poem. I just said it was a poem. So here we go. Exactly what she said. There is a peace that comes from the world, but it's counterfeit. Some of you may be saying, PT, what is the difference? Isn't peace peace? No. I'm, I'm going to stick close to my notes here because I want to say it so that you hear it correctly, okay? I'm going to tell you the difference between worldly peace and godly peace. Here we go. Worldly peace is counterfeit and usually involves a compromise with the enemy that often ends in laying down your freedom. Think about history and peace treaties that result in what happens. Number one, you're compromising with the enemy, right? The two of you are coming together to see where you can find a common ground. Listen, you can do that with the people in your life, but you don't need to find a common ground with the enemy of your soul. It starts with a compromise with the enemy and usually ends with you laying down your freedom. I know some of you went straight to mask and vaccines. That's not what I'm talking about. Calm down. Calm down. Slow your roll. We don't need no riots in here. Have you ever heard of being in a compromising position? You find yourself in a compromising position when you compromise. You should compromise with your spouse, but you should never compromise with the enemy of your soul. And so often we seek after a worldly peace that oftentimes involves us finding a common ground with the enemy, and we always end up giving freedom because that, te- that peace is counterfeit and it's temporary. It usually comes from things that we use to self-medicate ourselves, like, like drugs and alcohol, pornography, lust, all those things. They, they, may, they may feel like they give you peace for a moment, but it's a compromise with the enemy that causes you to lose your freedom. Amen? But then there's a godly peace, and godly peace is authentic, and it's a result of being conformed to the image of Jesus, and it leads to the laying down of your troubles. Do you see the difference? Godly peace is authentic. It comes from being conformed to his image, and it always ends with the laying down of your troubles. That's the peace that we want, other than me, right? You guys too, right? Just me, or you, you want it too? Okay, good. Thank you. I feel like you guys are, think I'm trying to sell you a used car right now. You're thinking about China Buffet? I feel you. I feel you. We'll get there right after service out by the mall. Not the one by Walmart. I'm going to say it one more time because I just think it's so true. God blew my mind when he laid this on my heart. Worldly peace is counterfeit. Usually involves a compromise with the enemy and often ends with you laying down your freedom. Godly peace is authentic. It's a result of being conformed to the image of Jesus, and it leads to the laying down of our troubles. Now, you may ask yourself, how is that possible? You may ask yourself, PT, I want that. I want to be able to lay down my trouble and take up the peace of God. What does it look like? There's a scripture that's tucked away in an epistle that Paul wrote, wrote, and I know you've heard it. You've heard it many, many times. In fact, we quote it. It's, it's probably been in your kids' notes that you take home, your little 
laminated squares that Pastor Dan laminates with the magnet on it so you can stick it on the refrigerator and hide it in your heart. But let's look at what it really means. Philippians 4, 7 says, And the peace of God, which what? Surpasses all understandings, all understanding will guard your heart and minds in Christ Jesus. The very first part that we see is that God surpasses your understanding with his peace. That's the first component of God's peace, is that you have peace when you shouldn't have peace. That's how you know it comes straight from the throne of God. When you have peace in the middle of a moment when you really shouldn't have peace, that's how it surpasses all understanding. Have you ever been in a moment where you're like, I have peace and I shouldn't have peace, but I do have peace. This has to be God. Usually it happens when I have a smart thought. I'm like, I'm having a smart thought and I'm not smart and I'm usually not smart. So this has to be God, right? So, so when you, when you have peace in the middle of the hardest of circumstances, that is the peace that passes all understanding. Do you get it? The, the illustration I could come up with is a personal one, and it's not an easy one to talk about, but, but I, will share, I will share my story with you. Um, next Saturday, October 23rd, will be five years since I lost my dad. There's a picture of him. Yep, that's him. Now you see where I get my rugged good looks from, my mom. <laughs> no. I don't know if I've ever told you the story or not, but my dad, big dude, big white beard, and uh, he, he was a tow motor driver. And one year he took a second job delivering pizzas in Plymouth at, uh, at um, east of Chicago. And uh, it was around Christmas time, and he goes, to, he goes to deliver this pizza. He knocks on the door, and the guy opens it up, and his little boy's sitting there with him. And he says to his son, without missing a beat, he goes, look, son, times are so hard, even Santa took up a second job. <laughs> That's my dad. His, his real name is Thurman Garrett, but he would have punched you in the eye if you called him that. And, uh, and it was October 23rd, 2015. And um, we had just gotten done with a trunk or treat at church. And um, he had just passed out thousands of pieces of candy to, to, to actually about a thousand kids. And, um, and he came home. And he sat down, and that was it. And um, I, I lived literally around the corner. I pulled in the driveway, and my mom calls me. And she says, they call, I'm not going to tell you what, my, what my, my middle name is. If you know it, just keep it to yourself. She's like, Terry, Dad, something's wrong. You need to come. And I come, and I get there, and I get there just ahead of the, of the uh, EMTs, and I see my dad, and I know it's not going well. And... And then I, I saw the ENTs working on him. And it was at that moment that it was like the, the peace of the Lord took over. And this isn't a story about my strength. It's a story about God's peace in the middle of the hard time. Okay? So I'm not trying to show you how strong I am. That was last week, and that only got me hurt. Okay? <laughs> so that's not what this is. So the Lord just laid on my heart. It's time. It's done. It's over. And so... I broke the news to my mom. I told the EMTs to stop. I stayed there. You showed up. You remember this. Megan was there with the kids. I stayed there while the, 
while the, um, the funeral home came to get him, I was the only one in the room when they took him out. I officiated my dad's funeral. That sounds really hard, but I'm telling you what, we told some stories. We had some fun. There's a story about that man, and you know what? What time do we got to be at the China Buffet? <laughs> about 10 minutes from now? I'm going to tell it anyway. I don't care. So, so we, were, we were living in Texas, and, um, and we, lived, we lived in this, in this trailer park in Texas, and we, we were surrounded by, it was actually a whole bunch of, uh, of, of new immigrants to, to Texas from Mexico. And they were like, I was speaking fluent Spanish by like four years old. They cooked unbelievably. It was amazing. I loved living there. They were my best friends. But one day, I was, I was actually about four years old. My brother would have been 14, and my sister would have been about 12. They decided it was a hot, hot Texas day. And my dad had this friend that lived with us, and he had this old bondoed up like Nova. I don't even know if it ran, but it was a hot day. So what my brother and my sister, this was not, I was a follower, but I still got in trouble for this. They took a water hose and they put it on the hood of the car. The water ran down the windshield and down the hood, and they made like a water slide. You would think it was just me, my brother, and my sister. It was every kid in the neighborhood. And just one after another, over and over, like we were at King's Island, right? My dad gets home, and there's extensive, and I don't even know how he could see that there was damage to this thing, because like I said, it wasn't rocking before he got it. But my dad sees all kind of damage to the Joe Dirtmobile, and he's like, oh yeah, you're in trouble. So he asked what happened, and we told him, and my dad spanked me. I'm like, I'm four. I still have a bone to pick. When I get to heaven, we're going to talk about that one. My brother, my sister, and then he went door to door <laughs> in that trailer park. And I know what you're thinking. He said, he went and knocked on the door and said, would you spank your children? No. He said, can I spank your child? <laughs> and one by one, each of those Mexican moms grabbed their kid by the collar, drug them out in the yard, and threw them out there when Santa Claus just lit each and every one of them up. My dad spanked the entire trailer park. He, he was like, were you there? They're like, no. He's like, I don't care. Bend over. <laughs> True story. So we told that, I told that story at the funeral. And, um, and just when we were about to say goodbye, everybody, it was just me in the room with him. The last thing I did was I gave him a Slim Jim for the road because every time I left the house, he always said, take a Slim Jim with you. You know what? You guys could learn from my dad. If I show up at your house, I expect to leave with a Slim Jim. I'm just going to say that, okay? <laughs> so anyway, no, I'm just, I'm just serious. I'm just serious. So it wasn't until afterwards that, that the grief was really, really hard, but God gave me peace for the moment. And what I've learned about God is that when you're in a situation where you shouldn't have peace, but you do, that is all him. And we've all been through those things where it's really, really hard and we shouldn't have peace, but God shows up and because he is the author of peace, you have peace. It is the peace that passes all understanding and that's what it looks like. So it says the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, but then it says a couple more things about what the peace of God does. Check this out. The second part, it says that the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will also guard your heart and mind. Now, this is amazing to me because those sound like the same thing. 
Does it sound like the same thing? Well, God guards your heart and your mind, but it's two totally different things. Here's what I mean by that. It says, God will guard your heart. God knows. That's how smart God is. You ever stop and just think, man, God, you are so smart. Here's how smart God is. He knows your heart is easily damaged. Physically and emotionally. You have a rib cage that protects your heart, right? That's its goal. That is its purpose. When God created you, he created you with a built-in system to protect your heart from injury, right? That's physically, that's your rib cage. But spiritually, he did the same exact thing. God gave peace to protect your heart. It is your spiritual rib cage that protects you in the middle of the hardest times because most of those attacks come from the outside. Somebody said something that hurt you. Somebody did something that hurt you. Somebody made you feel like you were less and it broke your heart. But God, or, or just hard moments like we just talked about with my dad, but God offers peace that protects your heart. He guards your heart. How awesome is that? But then he also says that not only does he surpass all understanding, not only does he guard your heart, but here's what else he does. He guards your mind. And so God also knows that you're your worst enemy. He also knows that your mind is your biggest struggle. And that you will talk yourself out of just how great you are in him. And you will talk yourself out of just how much he has in store for you. And you will talk yourself into all the things that you get wrong. And just why you'll never get it right. And just why you'll never quite measure up. And God says, not only will I guard your heart with peace, but I will also guard your mind. The guard your heart with peace guards from the attack from the outside, but the guarding your mind with peace guards your mind from the attack from the inside. How cool is that? How smart is God? His peace surpasses all of your understanding. You shouldn't have it, but you do. But not only that, it guards your heart from attacks from the outside, but it also guards your mind from attacks from the inside. Yeah, that's right. Simultaneously, that's what he does. That's why it looks so different than worldly peace. You can't lay your troubles down when you're getting attacked from the outside Attacking yourself from the inside and have no peace because you're in a situation where you shouldn't have it. Amen? Amen. Does that make sense? Are you getting it? I think it's absolutely brilliant. So you're probably thinking to yourself, this peace stuff sounds really good. How do I get it? That's a good question. I'm glad you asked. How do I get God's peace? Before God tells you what his peace does... God tells you how to get it for yourself. Maybe you just didn't see it. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. The verse right before, for all you math whizzes, verse 7. Yeah. Right? It says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Here God gives you a roadmap for having peace when it feels like having peace is impossible. The very first thing it says is a little maddening. Be anxious for nothing. Can you imagine saying that to somebody who's anxious? Be anxious for nothing, you're fine. That's not helpful. It doesn't feel helpful at first, right? 
When God's answer for you being anxious is, hey, don't be anxious, it feels like he's not going to help, right? That'd be like you saying to me, hey, I'm really nervous, and my answer to that is, don't be nervous. (laughs) And that's it. Thank God he doesn't leave it there. But the whole be anxious for nothing is maddening if that's where it stayed. And there's like this meme that I just saw, and I don't know if you'll be able to see the the writing, but go ahead and show the picture. Maybe the writing's too small. It says, anxiety, but what if this happens? Me, but it won't. Anxiety, but what if it does? Me, you got me there. (laughs) And we we have these things where we we battle in our minds. We're like, what if this happens? We're like, no, it's not going to happen. But what if it does? Oh, I don't know. And we, we, we struggle and we get anxious. And God's answer is be anxious for nothing. God, that doesn't sound helpful. But then he says this, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. What he's saying is the way to get away from being anxious And the way to get peace in the middle of a time when you shouldn't have peace, that peace that passes all understanding, and that peace that guards your heart, and that peace that guards your mind, how do we do it? You trust Jesus, and you take it to him, and you lay it at his feet, and you lay it at the cross. I know it sounds simple. I know it sounds too easy. I know it sounds cliche, but it's true. You take those things and you take them to him and you say, Jesus, I'm in the middle of this. I need you to do something about it. And because you took it to him, the peace that passes all understanding shows up and changes things. Do you hear that? I just prayed over people earlier and what the Lord laid on my heart was to remind them that he said that he's near to the brokenhearted. And that he binds up the wounds of the brokenhearted. Because when you trust Jesus, you get a Savior that bears burdens. Did you hear that? Let me tell you something. I'm not one to bash other belief systems, even though I know that the one, the only path to heaven is Jesus. I've never been been one to just bash. But the fact of the matter is, you can go to any mosque, And Allah is not willing to bear your burden. He's just not. You could go to any Buddhist temple, and that's not where somebody's going to bear your burden. The only one who's going to bear your burden is the one who gave his life for you and resurrected from the dead and said, I will carry these burdens with you. He's the only one. That's it. When you trust Jesus, you get a Savior that bears your burdens. But here's the thing. You've got to be able to take it to him. And you've got to be able to say, Jesus, this is what I'm struggling with. This is where my heart is. My heart hurts. And why? And here's the thing. God already knows these things. Nothing ever escapes his attention, right? So he already knows. But he wants you in the practice of passing it to him saying, I can't hold on to this anymore, but I'm going to lay it at your feet and let you do what you do with it. The fact of the matter is, and this is truth, and, and, and maybe you need to get your camera out and take a picture of what I'm going to say, and I'm going to even read it from my notes so I make sure I get it just right. You can tweet her this, you can flip chat it or insta snap it, whatever you got to do. I say that every time, but it, it's still not, and never not funny. 
And half the time, I'm just trying to entertain me. Check this out. God is a gentleman and only takes from us what we are willing to give him. Friends, God is a gentleman. And he only takes from you what you're willing to give him. And so often we wonder, how do I get peace? Be willing to give him what's causing your need for peace. That's how you get it. You take it to him and you say, this thing is breaking my heart, God. I have to give it to you. And I can't tell you how many times I prayed this prayer. I'm just going to tell you something. Being a pastor is so much fun. And I love getting to be your pastor. I am blessed. And what do I always say? I'm the ugly kid at prom, man. I'm just happy to be here, right? Just happy to be here. But also there's moments when when you're the one that gets the phone call, it's hard. You know that. How many times did your husband, Pastor Jim, it was hard. And family members also bear it with their pastor, right? We know that's true. And I can't tell you how many phone calls I've gotten over the years. Pastor Terry, you got to come quick. And those phone calls hurt. But it's also a privilege to get that phone call. And you go and you do whatever it is that you have to do. You love on the family. You take care of them. You spend time with them. You, you, you order the food. You do whatever it is that you have to do. But when you are on your way home, it's heavy on your shoulders. And, and men and women, even on your way home from work or whatever it is, I'm going to challenge you to learn to pray this prayer. Here's the prayer that I pray in those hard moments. Because when I'm on my way home, I realize that there's Megan Garrett that lost a bet and had to marry me, right? And there's Grace, Gavin, and Jillian, G1, G2, and G3. And they deserve my best, right? And so I can't tell you how many times I've been driving home and I pray these prayers. God, I pray from the van door to the house door that you would give me peace. Anybody ever pray that before? From the van door to the house door, from my truck door to the side door, from, the, from, the, from, the, from my Jeep door, whatever it is you're driving, you can't get out of it, to the garage door. I need you to place that peace that passes all understanding, that guards my heart and guards my mind. I need you to bring that because right now I really, really need it. You know what he does every single time? He does just that. And I say, God, I need you to do this because there's some people at home who need my best and right now I don't have it. And by the time I get from the van door to the house door, he does a miracle. That's not something he reserves for just one person. That is available to anybody who will pray it because God's a gentleman and he only takes from you what you are willing to give him. So if you're in the middle of a situation and you're like, I really need God's peace, then you need to be willing to say, God, here's what I'm going to give you in exchange for my peace. Here's what I'm willing to give you in exchange for your peace. I'm going to give you my troubles. I'm going to give you my heartache. I'm going to lay at your feet my struggle. I'm going to lay at your feet my grief. And I'm asking you to replace it with the peace of God that, protect, that passes all understanding, that guards my mind and guards my heart, and he will 
do it. Every time. That's just who he is. Go ahead and stand to your feet. I've said these things over and over again, but I feel like it just bears repeating. You got to repeat things from time to time. Like we're going to China Buffet right after service out by the, out by the mall. I feel like you've got to repeat things from time to time. So I'll repeat this. You can't know God as your provider until the moment you need provided for. And you can't know God as your healer until you're sick. And I need, if I go somewhere to preach, you're coming with me. She's so good. She's so good. (laughs) I'm taking you with me. You can't know God as your peace until you're in a moment where you need God's peace. And when he gives it to you, it surpasses all understanding. I shouldn't have it, but I do. I don't understand how this works. It's a spiritual transaction I'll never quite understand, but I'm so grateful for it. And it guards your heart from the outward attacks and it guards your mind from the inward attacks. That's what he does. But he's a gentleman and he only takes what you're willing to give him. So you give him your trouble in exchange, he'll give you his peace. Amen? That's the peace that we want. God offers true peace. The world offers a counterfeit one that usually results in having to lay down your freedoms because you've compromised with the enemy. But God, his peace is authentic. And it comes from being conformed to his image. And it results in laying your troubles down. I know that we prayed earlier, but I'm going to give you the option. The altar's open. If you need just to come and bow down at the altar and spend some time in prayer, I want to challenge you to do that. If you need prayer, our prayer team, our elders, we're here. We'll do that as well. Our staff are here. We'll do that as well. If you just want to get to the side and spend time at the altar because you're in the middle of of a moment where you need God to surpass your understanding with his peace. The altars are open. If you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, today's the day to do that. Because I promise you, until you have Jesus, peace will always elude you. You can't have something that God is the author of without having him be your Lord and Savior. So if you don't have peace and you don't have him, today's your day. I want to pray for you. And in fact... You don't need to bow your head. You don't need to close your eyes. But if you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, I want to pray for you. Would you put your hand in the air and let me know? Or maybe you knew him and you walked away. You're saying, I want that peace that passes all understanding. I want him in my life. I want to pray for you. Would you put your hand in the air and let me know that you're there? Okay. All right. I see you right here. You know what? I'm going to have Debbie Howling right, right over there, will you please? Anybody else? My friend Debbie's coming to see you. She's amazing. You're going to love her, okay? She's, she's on her way. She's on her way, Janet. We're going to pray. And I'm going to be right here at the end of service. If you didn't feel like you had the guts to put your hand in the air, but you still want to pray to give your life to Christ, I'm going to be right here. But as you leave today, leave your, leave your troubles at the altar. Pick up God's peace and go in his peace. I'm going to pray. We're going to, we're going to pray. Worship's going to go. If you got to go, and try and get us a good seat at China Buffet by the mall, that's fine. 
I'll see you guys there. I love you guys. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for each and every person. The ones that raise their hand to give their life to you, the ones who are in a situation where they really, really need you to prove yourself as the author of their peace. God, I pray that you would give them strength and that peace that surpasses all understanding, that you would guard their heart and that you would guard our mind. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Altars are open. We're here to pray. We'll worship for a while and we'll see you there at China Buffet right at the mall. God bless you guys.